everybody. Welcome back to Passing Judgment, a podcast about politics and the law and a lot of things in between. I'm your host, Loyola Law School professor Jessica Levinson, and I'm happy as always to be joined by my friend and the show's co-host and producer, he wears many hats, Joe Armstrong. Today, we're going to be talking about the curious tale of Congressman Matt Gates. We'll update you on the Chauvin trial. We'll talk to you about Summer Zervos's defamation suit against former President Trump. Remember that one? And we're going to briefly recap a recent Supreme Court case. With that, Joe, welcome. And who is Matt Gates? Hello, Jessica. That's the big question of the week in the news cycle. Who is Matt Gates? Gates. If you don't live in Florida, you may not know. Matt Gates is a congressman from Florida's first district. That's in the panhandle of Florida, up there in the northeast part of the state. Pensacola is probably the largest city in his district, and he has held that seat since 2007. Due to the naval base and Eglin Air Force Base in the area, there's a lot of military there, meaning it's a heavily Republican area. According to the Cook Partisan Voting Index, it is the most Republican district in Florida, that's saying quite a bit, and the 15th most Republican in the United States, which might be saying even more. Now, a Republican has carried that district in every presidential election since at least 1992. Gates also has an A-plus rating from the NRA. Tell you a little bit more about his Republican credentials there. Gates is a staunch supporter of Donald Trump and has defended him all the way along. This latest trouble we're about to talk about in a minute here with Congressman Gates is not his first brush with the other side of the law. In 2008, Gates was arrested for driving under the influence when he was driving back from a bar in his district. Now, a Florida state attorney dismissed the charges against Gates. You can make what you want about that. Between 1999 and 2014, Gates was also ticketed for speeding 16 times in Florida. In March of 2020, Gates wore a gas mask during a House debate on funding measures to fight COVID-19. He made a little bit of national news for that. And Jessica, why are we talking about him now? Take it away. Well, we're talking about him because he's the subject of an investigation that's potentially a lot more serious than a speeding ticket. He's apparently the subject of a federal sex trafficking investigation, which to the extent you think, is this politically motivated? It actually apparently started under Attorney General Bill Barr, again, a former President Trump's Attorney General. And What are we talking about when we're talking about uh, sex trafficking? I mean, federal sex trafficking investigation. Nobody wants their name and that phrase in the same sentence. Basically, federal law says it's illegal to induce anyone under the age of 18 to travel across state lines to engage in sex in exchange for money or something else of value. Now, Representative Gates has gone on TV and he said this investigation is amounts to absolutely nothing. Uh, I never brought somebody who was underage across state lines to engage in sex, to give them money or a thing of value. He said that he has been generous with girlfriends and that there's nothing wrong with that. And his response is not just to deny that this happened, but he also is claiming that he and his father are the subject of a very serious extortion plot by a former Department of Justice official. And what he said is that this former Department of Justice official came to him and his father demanding $25 million in exchange for helping Gates with this investigation. So he said this is a total shakedown. Uh, Gates also said that they were about to wire the money to the former Department of Justice official, and this would have vindicated him. 
um, but that the New York Times broke the story right before and therefore uh, being able, he isn't able to prove his innocence. Uh, Representative Gates has also said, look, my father at the behest of the local FBI has worn a wire. Uh, FBI, you need to release those tapes. It will prove that we are innocent. Again, it will vindicate us and our story. And I watched a really strange interview that he gave on Tucker Carlson on Fox News a couple of nights ago uh, because somebody asked me to comment on it for the local news. And there was this moment where Representative Gates says to Tucker Carlson, oh, well, I've just been targeted by the FBI. You'll remember that you and your wife had dinner with me and a young woman, and she was later the subject of uh, interest by the FBI. What he's saying is that she was targeted improperly. And he, it's almost as if he's trying to make Tucker Carlson and his wife uh, witnesses in this particular matter. It was really strange. And Tucker Carlson at the other side of the commercial break, they ended the interview. There was a commercial. Tucker Carlson comes back and he says, I'm paraphrasing some version of, wow, that was one of the weirdest interviews uh, that I've ever done. And so that, Joe, um, is why we're talking about Representative Gates. And I, right now, that's really all we know, which is there's a lot of accusations. We don't know where the truth lies on either side. One thing I will say, it is, of course, possible that you are the subject of a legitimate investigation and that you're also the subject of extortion. And again, we have no idea at this point where the truth lies. So again, at this point, sounds cliche, but a lot more questions than answers when it comes to this tale of Representative Gates. Yeah, a lot of light and heat in the news cycle this week about that Gates story. One other tidbit I'd like to add before we move on is that earlier that day, another piece of news rolled across the transom, which was that Gates may be leaving his congressional seat to be some kind of contributor on Newsmax which uh, stands to the right of Fox News. It was interesting when that news happened because he is a rising star in the Republican Party. Now those other allegations broke later that day. So maybe those things are tied together. Maybe they're not. Only time will tell. We will keep you informed on those things. But let's move on to the Derek Chauvin trial, Jessica. Our episode from earlier this week examined the beginning of the trial of former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin and the death of George Floyd. And after months of nationwide protests, the trial is underway. Can you please tell us how the trial is proceeding? Yes, so the prosecution is still uh, putting forward its case. They're calling witnesses, and each side's theory of the case is becoming very clear. Uh, the prosecution is saying, look, Officer Chauvin, former Officer Chauvin, used excessive force. That was the substantial cause of George Floyd's death. The defense's theory of the case is also becoming clear, which is, one, this wasn't actually excessive force. Two, there were other causes to George Floyd's death. They're going to focus on his pre-existing conditions, his heart disease, his high blood pressure, uh, the fact that there was fentanyl and methamphetamines found in his body. And one thing that I really do want to emphasize is that when we're watching this, it's really important to remember that the prosecution and the defense have very different roles. The prosecution has to build up the entire 
house, so to speak. They have to lay the foundation. They have to put that house together brick by brick or log by log or whatever analogy you want to use. And they have to prove their case to all 12 jurors beyond a reasonable doubt. The defense has a very different role. They just need to take one key brick or log out of that house, by which I mean they just have to convince one juror that they have a reasonable doubt. And we're going to see this difference in burdens, this difference in roles really play out over the next about three to four weeks. Uh, One other thing that I'm not going to detail, you know, everything that's happened, but one thing that's been really impressed upon me is it's very difficult to watch the trial. I mean, this is extremely emotional and a number of the witnesses have cried on the stand. And what I keep coming back to is that a number of the witnesses have really serious survivor's guilt here. We've heard from people who've said, I wish I could have done more. I stay up at night. I apologize to George Floyd. Um, the store clerk who got the, you know, allegedly counterfeit $20 bill has it says that he feels enormous feelings of guilt. He feels like he's helped to set in motion uh, George Floyd's death. And we've seen now a number of different witnesses. Really, it's been so emotionally wrenching. And on a human level, it's just it's very difficult to watch. And of course, I'm very much removed from it. I'm watching thousands of miles away on a computer screen. And it is, I think that the prosecution is doing a very good job right now. They're bringing up the bad facts, the quote unquote bad facts, and they're framing them in a way that I think would allow the jury to still find uh, guilt beyond a reasonable doubt. And, you know, the jurors are people. And the emotion, the impact of these witnesses, it's just absolutely inescapable. So that's where we are right now. And again, I expect that it will go on for at least a few more weeks. And there's no easy way to pivot from a really emotionally wrenching trial. So I will just say, Joe, should we move to our next topic, which is an update on Summer Zervos's defamation claim against former President Trump? Yes, Jessica, let's do that. We talked about who is Matt Gates. Let's talk about who Summer Servos is. She is a former contestant on Donald Trump's former reality TV show, The Apprentice. And full disclosure here, Jessica, I have never seen one second of The Apprentice, so all of this is in absentia for me. She accused Donald Trump of sexually assaulting her during a meeting at the Beverly Hills Hotel back in 2007. Trump subsequently denied the allegations and called Zervos a liar. Zervos then sued Donald Trump, claiming that by calling her a liar, Trump committed defamation. Jessica, does this qualify for defamation? Does it reach that level? Let me say, I also have to cop to the fact that I don't think I've ever seen an episode of The Apprentice. So here we are talking about this with... um, arguably a gaping hole in our knowledge, although I still think that we can talk about the lawsuit. You asked me, could this be defamation? How could it be defamation? What Zervos is claiming here is that when President Trump, former President Trump, made the statement when he said, that didn't happen and you are a liar, that that's a false statement of fact that harmed his her reputation and that he knew it was false at the time he made it. And so that's why this could potentially amount to defamation. That's the crux of her case here. 
Now, there's something that happened back in 2007. Why is this case back in the news now? So when Zervo sued, Trump argued that state courts don't have power over the sitting president. And this week, the court said, look, that argument is now moot. Why? Because President Trump is no longer the president. He's the former president. He's a private citizen. He loses any protections that he arguably had. And so the case will move forward. And what does that mean? It means that Zervos will likely be able to gather evidence that she could ask President Trump to sit for a deposition. And Joe, as you and I have talked about, when it comes to a number of different legal actions against the president, a quote unquote win could potentially be merely getting him to sit for a deposition because you can ask him a number of questions when he's under oath. So at this point, you know, the case has been on hold for quite a while. People might have even forgotten that the case existed at all. But at this point, I think it's full steam ahead. And of course, Joe, we have separate episodes just focused on former President Trump's legal exposure. We've talked about his potential criminal exposure on the state and federal level and his potential civil exposure on the state and federal level. And I expect that we will be updating those episodes soon. And can you imagine the circus that would ensue with former President Donald Trump being deposed for such a thing? So we will keep an eye on that case as it proceeds, Jessica. Now, there was a bit of news out of the Supreme Court today. Can you please give us a quick run through of the three decisions here? Yeah, very quickly. There were three decisions that the Supreme Court came out with. They were all unanimous decisions. The first two decisions were from the most junior justices, Justice Barrett and then Justice Kavanaugh. And I will say um, it's almost Supreme Court season, everybody. So, you know, I woke up this morning. I knew there were Supreme Court decisions like uh, a lot of other SCOTUS nerds. I was obsessively pressing refresh on my browser. And one of the cases dealt with water rights between Florida and Georgia. Another involved the FCC, um, really about media company ownership. And to me, what was maybe the most interesting case involved Facebook and unwanted text messages. And so this was a decision by Justice Sotomayor, again, for a unanimous court. And the question was whether text messages that were sent by Facebook to someone who didn't sign up for Facebook are covered by a federal law. That's a law that prohibits robo-texts and robo-calls. It's called the Telephone Consumer Protection Act. The court concluded those text messages were not covered. Um, we might have more on this case, but for me, what's particularly interesting is, again, trying to confront this issue of changing technology in old laws and figuring out how to update the laws with new technology like Facebook, like TikTok. Our behaviors change, technology changes, and then the law tries to catch up. So at this point, it seems like another example of that phenomenon. And Joe, I know we want to close with a little bit uh, more news. We do. Some of those lawmakers can barely operate their own smartphones. So think on that when you're going to bed tonight. Now, the last bit of news before we let you all go. G. Gordon Liddy died this week at the age of 90. Liddy's claim to infamy was being a chief operative in what came to be referred to as the White House Plumbers Unit during the Nixon administration. Why is that important? Liddy ended up getting convicted of conspiracy, burglary, illegal wiretapping, as well as refusing to testify in the Senate committee looking into the Watergate break-in. 
a scandal that eventually led to President Nixon's resignation on August 8th of 1974. What's the deal there? Five of Liddy's operatives got themselves arrested inside the DNC at the Watergate office building in 1972. After all was said and done, Liddy ended up spending almost 52 months in federal prisons. Once he got out, he spent the rest of his years as an author, a lecturer, and he hosted a conservative radio talk show for 21 years. He also had to turn as an actor in shows like Miami Vice and Airwolf. Liddy's role in Watergate was crucial in giving American culture a catch-all suffix for countless subsequent scandals. Think things like Deflategate, Bridgegate, Nipplegate, and to bring us all full circle on this week's news cycle and our very own episode, Gatesgate. So, Jessica, no matter what scandal, legal or political news about which you've got questions, passing judgment has answers. So stay tuned here. I'm a little upset that you said Gatesgate, but I think we will remain friends and co-hosts. That is a wrap. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We do love being able to have these conversations with you and hopefully educate you on political and legal news. You can find Joe on Twitter and Instagram at InDepthDay. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Levinson Jessica. The podcast on Twitter at Pass Judgment Pod, on Instagram at Passing Judgment Pod. And I keep saying this we have joined TikTok. I am going to do something about it. Thank you, everybody, for your patience. Joe, final words. I look forward to seeing your uh, skateboard juice drinking <laughs> TikTok video, Jessica. Thank you, as always, to our listeners for your support. We absolutely love sharing these conversations with you, and we look forward to having more in the future. Have a great day, everybody. Bye.